welcome to Woo With Us. I'm Denise. And I'm Nicole, and we are your hosts. Going through a spiritual awakening alone is not easy, so we share our own journeys and explore spiritual topics as we align and enlighten our souls. We want you to join us and begin to believe in miracles, magic, and connecting with the other side. So with your heart and mind open, come woo with us. Hi guys, this week we are talking about fairies. And I have to say that when Denise brought it up to me, I was a little bit skeptical because I don't really know all that much about fairies other than what I've heard in fairy tales, which seems like it would be more fictitious. However, upon research, I'm starting to become slightly a little bit more of a believer. So hang with us while we talk to you about fairies in the fairy realm. Um, first, let's just talk a little bit about where do fairies live. Um, they're said to live in this like intermediate space, uh, kind of like a transitional realm between what we know and what we don't know, which kind of makes sense if you think about it, because not a lot of people can really say for 100% certainty that they've seen fairies. So I believe that they could exist in this time. Um, they're usually seen in the twilight. So again, that is between day and night. So this seems to be a theme with fairies. Um, I'm doing some research, you know, there's people that say they live in elf land, which is the middle road between heaven and hell. It's like an alternative realm. Um, they live in sub subterranean place spaces. Um, mounds to doorways and trees. Um, gold is common in this land. Um, so even some of their um, basic mundane objects are gold in color is what they say. Um, this, they, it's also said that the sun doesn't shine there and that there's no moon or stars, which I think I have a little bit of a hard time believing because I think of fairies more in the the thought of being like lightning bugs, like with light. And I feel like unless it has to do with they don't want to give, you know, detract from their own light. I don't know if I believe that it would be dark and overcast and not sunny there. You know, I, I feel, feel like it's like I kind of feel like it's more more than they like exist in some like far off land it's more kind of like how spirits are yes right like they're just vibrating at a different frequency speed. yeah frequency yes. so they're maybe they're here they're just like or they're in another um like dimension kind of a thing but it's like kind of alongside us energy wise more so than like some like you get into talking about stuff like that, like living in a faraway land or something and then just showing up that, I don't know, you lose me there. <laughs> me too. That's when it seems more like a fairy tale, but I do, I do embrace the idea of it kind of like living over top of our world. Like the idea of like, I even think about like when people talk about like Bigfoot and stuff, like maybe that is legit. And this is a creature that lives in a different dimension. Every once in a while, this creature is like super smart and can find this, this rip in time and space and can kind of like go in these little doorways. And next thing you know, Bigfoot's here and then he's gone. And then the fairies are here and then they're gone. And 
So I don't know that I, I think that that's more realistic than thinking about like elf land, but maybe that's just a place that they call it, you know, just to kind of give it a name, who knows. And again, it was hard to find research and know like who's talking fairy tales and who's talking like, okay, I've seen a fairy for real, you know? So agreed. Um, okay, so what are they? Well, there's a lot of speculation about what they are. Some people think of them as being frightening. And so when I think about frightening fairies, I more think about like the elves and maybe the gnomes and some of those others that seem to be lumped in with the fairies. Um, I feel like just like humans have good and bad, I feel like the fairy land probably has good and bad too. So once, and I think honestly, you know, if you see a spirit all of a sudden and you've never seen one before, I think that would just be frightening because you've never seen it before and it wasn't what you expected. So if you saw a fairy and it looked like Tinkerbell and she's flying around you, it might be scary just because you've never seen it before. So they say they range in size from a tiny insect to human size or even sometimes a little bit larger. Um, they A lot of people associate fairies with like trickery, um, and so I do think, again, there are those groups that tend to be a little bit more mischievous, um, but I don't think that overall they're bad. Um, so they are thought to be kind of like this middle nature between man and angel. And actually, when we get into the hierarchy, um, you'll kind of see that angels are kind of like at the top of this hierarchy. So that kind of makes sense to me. Um, they say that Sometimes people who have died or vanished are often encountered in fairyland. And again, that kind of proves the point of what Denise said. Like if all of a sudden they walk through this rip in time and they're in this other dimension, we can't see them anymore, but they still exist. So maybe that's kind of what they're talking about. Um, it's They say that angels and fairies evolve through happiness, whereas we evolve through suffering. So because our evolution is more based on harder um, struggles, I guess, our evolution tends to be a little bit faster, whereas an angel or a fairy's evolution tends to be a little bit slower. Um, fairies are made of energy. This makes a whole lot of sense to me considering we're made of energy too. Um, but that's the thing that makes them different from us because they're more made of like feelings than they really are matter that you can see and feel and touch. Um, so <clears throat> let's see. A thing that I thought was cool was there are different um, talks of like vortexes and um, there's a lot of them that are said to be like in the ocean or around the ocean. And so there are fairies that live near or around the ocean and basically they are responsible for kind of moving this energy around. So they bring this energy into their body and then when they get enough and it's too much, then they can like disperse it in other areas so that's kind of what they think some fairies are here for is to just kind of balance the energy a little bit um there are fairies that are very interested in us so they are said to kind of mimic us a little bit but them mimicking us is more of 
kind of like manifestation. Like they're really thinking hard that they're wearing a red hat. And as long as they can think hard that they're wearing a red hat, the red hat shows up. But fairies have a limited attention span is what they say. So they may be able to envision this red hat on top of themselves for a period of time, but it doesn't stay because then they're off doing something else or thinking about something else. So I could see that. Um, there's a lot of, when it comes to fairy faith, there's a lot of people that have believed in fairies for a very long time. Um, Celtic people in Britain, they, they, the Celtic and the Britain, they believe in fairies. Um, there's a lot in Germany where they're talking about fairies. So they've existed in traditions in other places for a long time. Um, so I don't think it's that far off that they could be, I, I just think it's maybe something we've never seen. Um, so I think as with any other dimension, since they probably aren't on our dimension, their time is going to be different than ours. So one day there could be like a century here. So um, I think that's something else to keep in mind, just like they say with souls, you know, they may... Um, if you believe that they kind of get stuck sometimes in certain places, it could seem like they're stuck there for a hundred years, our time, but in their reality, it's not that long. So I just think that their reality and their time is a lot, a lot different from ours. And this kind of led me down the rabbit hole of thinking about all of those things that people talk about that is kind of hard to prove, like the Loch Ness monster and Mothman and, um, El Chupacabre. And I think that these things could definitely be real, but I kind of feel like maybe it's a dimension thing and they just kind of flicker in and out of our dimension a little bit, which is why it's kind of hard to prove. Um, I just want to make sure I'm going to get ready to go into the hierarchy. Did you have anything that you wanted to say there, Denise? Um, watch Skinwalker Ranch if you want. Yes, to I already about. did. <laughs> Dimensions I already and did portals and all of that stuff. Holy cow. <laughs> um, but so I wanted to say like a lot of time people call fairies fae. Like in my research, I kept seeing like fae people or whatever. So it's not necessarily that term. Um, and I wanted to just talk about like the derivative, like where fairy came from. I can get into the whole long sentence about all of the breakdown of it, but basically it goes back to like in old French romance, a fae was a woman who was skilled in magic and who knew the power and virtue of words, stones, and herbs. So like basically a witch. Um, but it's interesting that that's the derivative of the word itself. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, fae is like the all-encompassing word for all of the different types of kind of fairy type creatures. And I know you're going to get into the, the hierarchy and we'll go into some types here in a minute. So go for it. Okay. So from what I could tell with the hierarchy, basically it starts with, um, I think you're saying it divas. It starts with an E, D-E-V-A-S or angels. And so these are like the supreme. They're the top of the hierarchy. They're advanced beings. They've reached a level of subconsciousness um, where they can carry on the will of basically God, the source, the, the most high. Um, fairies become angels when once they reach that point in their development. Um, they, they are in charge of the work of the fairies. 
So, um, you know, I, there's, we'll get into the different types of fairies. There's going to be angels that are over them that are kind of directing them to do certain things. They help guide nature um, by their understanding of what the divine plan is. Uh, they direct energies of nature and they oversee all the lesser fairies, which is going to be the fairies that are, you know, basically not an angel. Um, then there's the fairies. And those are intelligent, they're clairvoyant, they carry energies all around their environment. Um, they can be in plants and trees. They tend to be more childlike, a little bit mischievous. Um, they're a necessary role in the environment, in our atmosphere, and positive energy. Um, they can put energy into plants and flowers and water and air and storms. It's kind of crazy because there's fairies that are responsible for, from my research, from what it says, there's fairies that are responsible for creating like the sunsets and the way the clouds look and all this really cool stuff. And I think that that, that could be true. Um, the nature fairies, it's kind of hard to distinguish what the difference is, really. I kind of feel like they're still fairies, but it acted like this was a little bit below them. Um, they're more like manifestations of energy in environments. So these are going to be more like the elementals that we'll get into, um, the water, the earth, the air, and the fire. Um, but I found a little bit of information because it gave us a bunch of different weird names. Some of them I've heard of and some of them I didn't exactly know what they mean. So I kind of looked up because they talked about brownies. All I can think about is like Girl Scouts and brownies and actually brownies. So I had to look up what exactly is a brownie and they're said to be house spirits. And so I'd heard about this before. Like you, they will help you if you are going to, give them respect basically if you keep your house clean if you um just if you just respect them they'll stay in your house and they just bring up the the vibration in your house and um i just thought that was cool i never really knew what a brownie was um so again the hierarchy is a little bit um not very as specific as like thought it would be when I was doing research, but basically the angels are on the top and then the fairies are below that. And then there's going to be nature fairies that seem like they're even more towards the bottom because those are the ones that are actually dealing with the plants and the animals and the water and the air. Um, so those are going to be more considered the nature fairies. Um, so now I guess we'll talk about the different um, classes or types of fairies. I'll kick it over to me. Super excited to know that there's like nature fairies because yeah, I'll try and work with some nature fairies in my yard in my garden. <laughs> yes. Um. <clears throat> okay, so we're gonna talk a little bit now about the different what I, from my research they call them fairy races. So and and this is mainly from like mythology and folklore of the Germanic and Celtic people. So the first one that came up was um, dwarves, and I guess J.R.R. Tolkien popularized dwarves, but before it was dwarfs. Um, they were a humanoid race in Norse mythology, and they're usually depicted as shorter, stockier, hairier than humans, and had much longer lifespans, and were known to have like 
inordinate amount of treasures, apparently. Um, so then we're going to move on to the elves. I think everybody kind of knows what, what elves are. And these were spirits in Celtic mythology and are often obviously imagined as Santa's little servants. Um, I always think of, I can't think of the movie now, but at Christmas time, it always comes on Netflix and they, they've just done a number two. It's a really cute like kids movie and um, Kurt Russell is in it as Santa. Have you seen this? Oh, it's so good. I love it. Um, but the elves in that just crack me up. They're so cute. Okay, so then we're gonna move on to gnomes. And gnomes are obviously, everybody knows like little garden gnomes that wear the little red hat. And um, some people have goofy ones in their yard, but they're known as dwarf-like fairies in the Renaissance uh, version of mythology and are supposedly underground beings. There was, a, there was a gnome cartoon when we were growing up, I think. It was on like Nickelodeon. Uh, I don't know why I'm all in this pop culture is, is coming up for me in these, but maybe that's why you had the immediate reaction that it was like made up fairy tales. Okay, so the next type is a goblin, and I think that word automatically is evil in our minds, right? Ghosts and goblins. So this is another type of humanoid from the uh, folklore throughout Europe. And the word goblin actually comes from the Greek word kobalos, which in English means evil spirit or rogue being. So that the word goblin has traditionally been reserved for an ugly fairy that's either mis mischievous or malevolent. So obviously that's where the whole term goblin being used with ghosts and goblins comes from, which I didn't know, I found that interesting. And then of course you've got leprechauns and let's go to pop culture again. It was made famous by the horrible horror movie called The Leprechaun. Um, Jennifer Aniston, one of her first uh, roles that she was in. Uh, so these are the little teeny guys that sit at the end of the rainbow with their pot of gold, and that comes from Irish mythology. And then there's sprites, and sprites are more like in the elf family in many of the mythologies, and they are depicted as having wings. So I like to think of sprites as like, if you're going to picture a fairy, like maybe, um, you know, homegirl from Peter Pan. I can't think of her name, but come on, you got it. Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell, thank you. And then troll. So trolls, we all grew up again, pop culture with troll dolls and their crazy wild hair, unless you're much younger than we are. Maybe you have no idea what trolls, troll dolls, dolls are, but I always knew, knew them to like live under bridges, but this research says like they're, they really live in like caves or on the mountains or in like really dense forests. Um, they don't, they don't like sunlight apparently. So that's why it's always like dark kind of um, places that they that they live and then you have pixies um, and so as as nice as pixies sound apparently they're known to be mischievous so they're the ones that are going to like mess mess with you play tricks on you that kind of stuff and this this originates in um, celtic mythology so those were the different types i found did you find any other types than that I know my research was kind of all over the place because I'm going through some of these other things and I, I found like apparently there are rock fairies, but those are more associated with the gnomes. Um, there's tree spirits, which are kind of like wood fairies, but they're supposed to be larger than wood fairies. 
Um, and then like just different divisions um, underneath the elementals. So if you want me to, I can start talking about the them in relation to the elementals, the air, water. Yeah, if you want to just um, name some of them. So um, first I found out that um, there are the fairies that are that they live in the they live in the earth. Um, garden fairies are the common kind of earth fairy, but gnomes are another kind of earth fairy. Uh, gnomes are more the ones that inhabit the rocks or they're kind of like underground. Um, actually, when I looked up more information about gnomes, they said it came from the Latin word that actually means earth dweller. So um, in history, before they kind of became, you know, statues that you put in your garden, um, they were thought to be protection, especially for like buried treasures and minerals in the ground. Um, they were thought to help like gardeners at night. Um, so they would come, they would wait till the nighttime and then they would work with the plants and get them to evolve in the night. So that's why nobody saw it. And then the farmers also thought of gnomes um, as a way to like help them get more produce and protect their crops. Um, they're thought to be short and round and cheerful. Um, they are, there's four main types though of earth fairies. There's two that live on the surface of the earth and two that live on the ground. And it was kind of hard for me to find out other than that little blurb, which ones, I mean, I know gnomes live underground and I'm assuming like the garden fairies are a kind that live above ground, but it was kind of a little hard. They said rock fairies or gnomes are one of the underground types. Um, they, it, we come into contact the most with earth and water slash sea spirits. Um, so the earth will live in on the earth. They have a human outline. They're the ones that try to copy the humans a little bit more. Um, they're the ones that, you know, will try to have their clothes match what like humans would wear. Um, and there's also supposedly different colors of them based on where they're from. So like in Australia, they were saying they look more blue or green. And in California, they were like varying shades of yellow and blue, which I thought was interesting. Um, but their form is more fluid, so they can change. They can change their clothes, they can change how they look. Um, and they're, they're mischievous as well. And they also help with like, shaping and coloring the flowers and the roses. Um, then we have the water fairies. Um, undines are the ones that are mostly considered as water fairies or water spirits. Um, they were first described by the alchemist um, Paracelsius. Um, and, and he talked about the four elemental types. Um, they are traditionally thought to be about the same size as a human being, um, but they can change their size. They're depicted, no, normally you see them as female. Males are very rare. Um, they're associated with different kinds of water. So rivers, lakes, ponds, waterfalls, oceans, seas, they all have their own um, water fairies that are kind of responsible for them. Mermaids were considered to be um, in this group. Um, and then I did some more research where they were kind of talking about um, 
someone who had come into contact with fairies in the water. And so there's ones that are near the shore and she thinks of them more as being like water babies because they're small and they're happy. Um, and uh, then there's ones that are out more in the sea and those are gonna be more tall and um, they're gonna be thinner. Uh, so I'm trying to make sure I didn't skip anything. So they help in the water, they help with the fish, they help with the plants. Um, this is what the water fairies do. And then there's the air fairies. The sylphs is usually what they're called. Um, they're larger in size. They're not as evolved as the other beings. Um, there's three generational types. Um, the sylph beings are, they inhabit the clouds and they work with them during storms. Um, they're usually four or five feet high. They're shapely, they're beautiful. Um, they are immense air spirits and they live in high altitudes. Um, they say that they resemble dragons with huge heads and long bodies and long tails. Um, they are, but then it also says that they're dainty with the human outline. So I don't know. I, mean, I guess we just do whatever we think. And if they're changeable, then I guess maybe we would never know. Um, one thing that I thought was cool about them, though, is I always remember when I was younger, my grandma would have us like in the summer and the spring, we would lay in the grass and we would look up in the sky. And I don't know if you've ever done that before. And maybe it's just an optical illusion with your eyes, but I would see little bubbles in the sky. And she told me that those were spirits. And I kind of wonder now if those were like the air spirits, you know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy that you can like, I, I mean, I'm looking around now and I see none, but when I go outside and I look in the sky, I can see them. So I don't know. It's kind of crazy, but I don't know. That was just a thought that popped into my head um, when I learned about them. Um, they deal with the rain and the wind. Um, they're the ones who are going to deal with the clouds. And so they're responsible for how our sunsets and our, our sunsets look. And so when we enjoy a sunset, we're in our most harmonious place with nature. And they being the people that are responsible for the clouds really like it when we can sit back and enjoy what they do you know this is their work and it's kind of like art um and then the last group is the ones that live in fire which is kind of crazy um they're called salamanders in medieval days um they're intensely vital they give a sense of like natural power like lightning they're tall and slender they don't have human features, um, but in small fires, they can be tiny. In big fires, they're going to be bigger. Um, they're always changing. They're more volatile. Uh, you can find them in hurricane or not hurricanes, volcanoes. Um, they can take the human shape sometimes then. Um, and uh, so I want to explain, because one of the things that comes up when you think about fire is that fire is destructive. And um, it, it was kind of cool for me and my research to read about the fact that they aren't here to destroy in the sense that humans think of fire as being destructive. Um, you know, when you think about a fire that happens in the woods, I mean, there's people that actually burn uh, certain vegetation because once it burns, 
then everything comes back and it's like rejuvenated. So this is a way of like rebirth, it's death and rebirth. And so that's what their job is. It's to, you know, bring back the life in the woods or um, I don't know. So I just liked that that was put in there because I do think when we think of fire, it's scary. I mean, it's there for warmth and stuff. I know we used it when we were cave people and it kept us warm and but you know I think now we think of it being like California fires and you know fires that burn down houses and so I just I think, think under- I think it's I think it's funny that you only out of all of those mention that for fire when all of them are destructive you're right you're right. air you know wind and water I don't know why fire I think because water. fire was just more like in my head as being destructive you know what I mean no matter like, I what, what I'm thinking I, mean, of- I guess yeah. <laughs> you can't touch fire and be okay. Typically, right. but you can touch air and you can touch water and be okay. Right. I get, I get what you're saying. And so that, that was, that was my information on the different elementals. Yeah. I mean, just to add to like, just, you know, as a side FYI note, people always say to put ashes in your compost, like for your garden compost, because it's, it's good stuff. It's literally everything broken down for you already. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, if you want to try and see one for yourself, right. Okay. So I think the first step is, do you really believe? Okay. It's just like anything else. Maybe you don't, in which case you're probably not going to try any of this, <laughs> but if you do believe uh, that fairies are real, or you might have a chance to see them, then that's probably step one, get that belief within you. Um, I think it was the same thing for us when we, you know, tried to start doing Reiki and working with energy and, and connecting with spirits. Um, if you don't believe it's, it's pretty hard. You're pretty shut off. Um, so you got to believe um, you have to know when to look. Like Nicole said earlier, it's like those in-between times where you want to look. So first thing in the morning, like right before the sun is coming up, the twilight times, and then right after the sun goes down, that like twilight time before it gets really dark. Um, they also say that other times are at, like right at midnight. So like right before the next day kind of starts. So that in-between time um, on any solstice or equinox day, and then October 31st, because they do say that the veil between all of the worlds is the thinnest um, during that time of year. So, you know, right now, maybe not when this is going to come out, but for us, October 31st just passed. So it might be a pretty good time because the veil is pretty thin. Uh, you have to know where to look. So like Nicole said, yes, there's house fairies. And I do have a tendency to believe this. And I kind of feel like they're mischievous. Like, are they maybe not mischievous, but like, they like to play tricks. Like, I, I feel like when you lose something, you know, I'll usually like, <laughs> if I lose something in my house and I really can't find it, I'll just say it out loud. Like, please put my X, Y, Z back and it'll show up the next day. Um, so you can, I guess, look indoors if you want, but basically outdoors in the wild during those times of the day where it's, you know, not so bright in your garden, that's where you really want to look. And you want to know what to look for, right? So we know after Nicole's kind of description, some of them can be bigger, some of them can be shapeshifters, some of them can be tinier. So don't get it in your mind that maybe you're only looking for some tiny little winged fairy floating around. 
And they do usually say like, just like spirits in general, you'll usually see them probably out of the corner of your eye. You'll see them darting around, just maybe little balls of light, speckles of lights, um, fluttering kind of movement. You want to know how to look. So sit in the shade in, in the low light, relax as much as possible and kind of try and unfocus your eyes. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that where you're looking at something and you just kind of almost go cross-eyed a little bit. Um, and that, that kind of helps, helps you to see, like, I know that's how I learned how to kind of see the colors of energy around my own self by looking in a mirror. So <laughs> it's something you could definitely try. Um, you can use a chant. So you can be a little like witchery with it and just kind of come up with your own chant, asking for them to show themselves. And then some tools, you know, we always love a good crystal around here. So maybe you find a crystal that's associated with fairy energy. I'm not sure if I'm familiar with any off the top of my head, but I'm sure there are some out there and you could probably do some Google research on that and just work with that stone and see if that energy will attract a fairy for you. And then of course, dreams and meditations, I think are always key. Um, go, when you're going to sleep at night, right before you go to bed, you want to see a fairy in your dreams, ask to see a fairy in your dreams. If you're sitting in a meditation and I'm sure I've never looked, but I'm sure that the internet has meditations to meet fairies. I am almost positive they exist. So just <laughs> go search and uh, see. Um, then some other ways uh, you can do scrying. And I know we've talked about scrying before. It's just a way to kind of test your eyes in like a, a, an inanimate object, like candle gazing or, you know, staring into a clear crystal or something like that. So that's what scrying is. That's the same idea. You're kind of relaxing in your focus. And then astral projection, you can create a fae garden. You can build them a little fairy house. There's all kinds of different ways that you can kind of try and connect with them and see them. Did you have anything else to add to that? Well, I just wanted to kind of give a couple personal stories or whatever in relation to fairies. So I don't know if you guys remember, but when we were younger, a movie came out called Fern Gully. And I was super, I loved that. I don't know, because it was just so magical. And I remember that as kids, we went to this park and we found this place that was like a creek and it had like a tiny waterfall. And we were just like looking for fairies, you know? And so I kind of feel like that was my kid side, knowing that they exist in the woods by the water. And that was going to be my best place to see them. Also, I have an aunt who is super into gardening. She has the most amazing garden I've ever seen in my life. And she has a little fairy village in her garden. And once I started learning about fairies, I kind of wondered if she was, um, you know, paying some kind of respect for the fairies that, you know, help her with her garden. So I don't Can you know. Can you get me a I picture thought, of this? <laughs> yes, I will. I'll give you a picture. <laughs> But I don't know. I just thought that that was cool. And I think that, you know, I've kind of gotten into um, having some more houseplants and I kind of think about like them having a spirit and maybe it being kind of close to, um, you know, it, it being a fairy spirit, you know, and maybe we could, I could talk to the plant and the fairy and ask them to help me take care of these plants. I mean, I feel like, what well, does it hurt? You know, so. I'll let you know. 
I'll get started on that and I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> but that was all I wanted to say. Oh, I'm a big proponent of um, talking to your plants, naming your plants, touching them, being yes, touching them. them. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think there's scientific studies that talk about how if you talk nicely and water too, if you talk nicely to a plant and give it attention, obviously it's going to grow, right? And if you are constantly negative or you're ignoring it, it's going to die. It's just like anything. Okay. So how can you work with them? So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we know that there are ones that are mischievous and maybe that are evil. And I know back in the day there was, I mean, the Irish, the Celtic people were like, they didn't, I like, I don't know. I couldn't find a lot about them. Like really loving fairies but they kind of had almost like a respect for them because of who like because they were in fear of them a little bit I mean they would think that like the fairies if you left a child out like the fairy would come and change it was like changeling like turn themselves into the child um so anyways they had some ways like to protect themselves from it and I found that bells anything that kind of like made a noise like bells was good to wear they used saint john's wort and then four leaf clover clovers that's kind of where that whole thing came from from the irish it was good luck and it kind of protected you from these these fairy spirits and then <laughs> this one was funny they used bread to protect them from fairies and that's in the, a couple of different folklore stories that i found uh, it says in much of the Celtic folklore, baked goods were an offering to uh, the fairy folk, the fae folk. And I guess because it was like the symbol of life, you know, bread, bread and butter. It was like, that's how you fed yourself. That was kind of feeding yourselves. That was, I guess, the idea of offering it to the fairies. And they would, I, I guess they would like wrap the babies with bread in their clothing to protect them from being, uh, yeah, carried away by them. So, so yeah. And they blamed a lot of like child, like if a child was born with a certain like abnormality or something, they blamed the fairies a lot for things. So I found that kind of fascinating. So, so other ways that you can work with them from a positive perspective that I found is, you know, uh, again, leaving them gifts, you know, leaving them little treats, whatever that might be. I, I don't really know, um, but appreciating them, even if you just say it softly or thank them, appreciating that they're living in your house or they're working in your garden or whatever they're doing for you. Always talk about them positively. So I hope that we've done fairies <laughs> um, justice today. Uh, if there's fairies around, uh, please don't mess with me. Uh, apparently they're very sensitive, so you have to use kind, friendly words, respect their spaces, uh, don't enter, this is like a big thing, like don't enter into an oath or a promise with a fairy. So if you ever find yourself chit-chatting it up with a fairy, don't make any promises, you know, like they're kind of like, don't get into a contractual agreement with them. Um, and then respect the culture and the values, right? And I think that goes for, you know, the people who do believe in this deeply and work with fairies and, and claim to see fairies and all of this stuff. Like I just, I have never been called to, I've never felt like I've seen them, but I like the idea of it. And I respect that, that that's the way you work with it. You know, I mean, I think it's very similar to 
us working with spirits of our ancestors and any other spirits that might be around us. It's the same idea. So that was all I had for fairies. Yeah, I didn't really have anything either. Uh, but when you were talking about the gifts for them, they did say that like with the house fairies, it was common for people to leave bread or milk, something that was kind of simple um, to them as like a gift um, for, you know, them just looking out for the house and whatever. So, you know, maybe that was a bribe slash protection slash gift kind of situation I thought okay like, I'll just okay, cookies for Santa like yes that's what they said <laughs> okay all right well that was I mean I enjoyed it that was fun learning a little bit about fairies you brought up a lot of stuff that I did not know so I think I'm good to end it there if you are I'm good too. So I hope you guys enjoyed our little podcast on fairies and hopefully it makes you look at things a little bit different. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss another. If you feel called to do so, please give us a five-star rating. This helps our podcast reach a broader community and enlighten more souls.